the time has finally come, dude. I'm so excited for Spider-Man this week. Yeah, nah, uh, Spider-Man tonight, you know, listening to this on Thursday, I'm going to see it 9, 10 p.m. EST. It's going to be lit. Can't wait. I'm fully expecting it to be one of the best Marvel movies ever. And especially, you know, if the rumors are true, if we get all three Spider-Mans in the, in the same movie, like, that's just going to be so lit. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that, like, you have to go to the theater, too. Like, like the last two Avengers movies, like, it's going to be a vibe in that room when, yeah. when Toby gets on screen, bro. Come on. Bro, I'm telling you, they have to do the uh, Spider-Man meme where they all point at each other. Oh. That'll literally break the internet. Like, yeah. if I'm a director, I'm putting that in the script you have to unfortunately I, I actually do have to wait until friday so that's i'm chalked for that but yeah so you're definitely not going to see me on twitter for you know all of thursday until like the end of friday night hopefully somebody doesn't spoil it for you that that would be a tough scene it'll be impossible i'm just i will literally not be looking at my phone at all <laughs> that's probably the optimal strategy especially if you're like a a big marvel fan for these big movie releases is mute all of the words that might be included in tweets like spider-man and no way home tom Marvel. holland toby mcguire yeah. <laughs> yeah just mute everything and just don't even check your phone for a day or two and you'll be good yeah real quick though i have the definitive list if you're interested in you know what, spider-man movie ranking so i mean here it is one homecoming two Far From Home, Tom Holland, obviously the best Spider-Man. So just off the strength of that, those are the best two. Spider-Man 2 original with Maguire, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And then, I mean, the rest of them you, you could really put in any order. Like, I guess I would go the original Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, and then Amazing Spider-Man is the last. But I, I think it's kind of a hot take. A lot of people don't have the two most recent ones at the top, but I think they're clear-cut the best. Yeah, I definitely like Tom Holland's Spider-Mans for sure. Haven't seen the Andrew Garfield ones. You're selling. Probably not optimal, but I heard they're not that good. The, the second one is actually pretty good. The first one is chalked. <laughs> but it, it's like they're they're all the same type of movie. It's just with different actors and, and different villains, right? Like, it's the same, like, story and origin plot, correct? I mean, sort of. Like, you know, they, they definitely shook it up quite a bit with the, with the most recent ones. Like, Spider-Man well, is very, yeah. like technological now where that was never the case yeah. in the in their first two yeah, yeah yeah i haven't seen the toby Maguire ones in probably like 10 years probably longer than that those came out when we were like little kids yeah you know, growing up and those are the classics so shout out to toby he's the OG. he's the og wasn't really into like the superhero stuff when the andrew garfield spider-mans came out like in uh 2012 2014 right was in high school didn't care about watching you know a spider-man movie but now that I've watched the whole MCU, you know, in order, got invested into these last couple of Spider-Mans, I'll probably go back, watch the Garfield movies before this movie tonight and make sure I'm all caught up on, on the villains and whatnot. Yeah, you definitely got to. I mean, really, the, the second one is actually pretty good. Like, it's worth watching for sure. Got it. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 188 
of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be breaking down week 15 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas lines are telling us about the week. We'll discuss our cash core and, of course, leverage stacks and long shots, everything that you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey, before we get into what is, you know, pretty honestly, just a disgusting slate for DFS, let's check in on our best ball leagues, you know, season long, you know, the playoffs are here. How did you do, you know, uh, on the whole year of of fantasy? I mean, this this year was just an L, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Can't really word it any better than that if I if I'm just being completely transparent. So on underdog, I did sixty nine drafts total if we're talking about BBM two and the three puppies. And my advancement rate from that was ten percent, which is below average. I advanced zero out of twenty puppy twos. Puppy one was really good for me. Had like a, a 20 plus percent advance rate in that, but advance zero in puppy two, advance zero out of 10 in best ball mania, um, and in advance one out of 12 in the puppy three. So on underdog, just very, very terrible. And I, I don't like, obviously I, I could have drafted better, you know, in hindsight, but at the time felt like I was drafting as optimally as I possibly could. Just my running backs, if I list them off real quick, Chase Edmonds was my highest owned running back. He's missed the last five games. Kenyon Drake, just complete miss on my part, missed on, you know, what I thought his role was going to be. And then he just got hurt. Tony Pollard, my third highest owned running back. It's kind of worked out. Damian Harris, Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson, all solid and then James White you know got hurt early in the year and then if we look at my wide receivers I mean DJ Chark was my highest on so that just goes to show you uh where I was at with wide receiver and yeah just completely got got slaughtered and then the rookie quarterbacks just I don't want to say it because I'll get canceled but you you know if you, you know what I'm talking about they just fucked me hard <laughs> Fields Lance and T-Law were three of my four highest on quarterbacks so missed the mark with those guys to say the um, least. <laughs> so just a, a brutal, brutal scene. And, you know, for, for me personally, if I just take a, a gander on some of the high-scoring players, 5% Cup, 7% Debo, Jonathan Taylor, 5%. So it's like when you are when you have 5 to 10% of all of the best fantasy players, it's going to be hard to advance a bunch of teams. So I, I completely missed the mark and just got to be better. I, I have a lot of regrets, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll go back and like focus on more player specific stuff at the end of the year as we prep for the 2022 best ball season. Definitely some lessons that can be learned here. This year, like more than any, I think was affected by injury. I mean, God, like literally almost the entire first and second round were busts. You know, it, it's crazy yeah. this year. 
It's like you had Jonathan Taylor, you had Cooper Cup, you had Debo, and that's really like the difference maker in every league. So if you weren't high on those guys, it probably wasn't the best year. I was slightly above average in my advancement rate. It was like 18.75, which is, you know, really relatively close to being in line with average. So I was kind of disappointed with that from an underdog perspective. If you saw me uh, tweet the other day on Twitter, I, I am sweating one decent team on the drafters best ball championship it's the five dollar fifty cent entry with ten thousand and eight entrance i'm in second place right now in that so uh, i'm out of first by about nine points with three weeks to play that one isn't a playoff format it's just total points so i mean that that's going to be my biggest sweat of the best ball season uh shout out to my one share of cordero patterson lifting me uh, up to the money in that yeah, just got to hope for some run good on drafters and hopefully you could bink that GPP over there. Yeah, that would be a lit 10K come up. But let's refocus here on this week 15 slate. Joey, this might high key be the ugliest main slate that we've ever discussed on a podcast. Like this is literally puke in your mouth, gross Vegas notes for this slate. It's an 11 game main slate with seven games early and four games in the afternoon. There are zero games with a total above 50. In fact, there are zero games with a total above 48 on this slate. The highest totaled game somehow includes the Lions, who are hosting Arizona. That's currently at 47 and a half. The top five implied team totals on the week, Arizona, 30.5, Dallas, 27.5, San Francisco, 27.5, Buffalo, 27, and Miami, 26. Man, what's standing out to you this week from a, from a Vegas perspective? I mean, you summed it up. This is going to be an ugly slate of football. I mean, you have the Cardinals who are probably going to be, you know, one of the chalkiest stacks, but D-Hop is hurt uh, there. And then, like, just discussing the totals in the manner you did doesn't even do this slate justice. Mm -hmm. Seven of the 11 games on the slate have a total below 45 points. Three have a total of 45 to 46, and then you have the 47 and a half game for the Cardinals and Lions, which is boosted up by the Cardinals side of the ball. It's got a 13 and a half point spread. <laughs> yeah, this is honestly the worst main slate that I have ever looked at on DraftKings in my history of using the app. And this <laughs> is easily one of the worst NFL weeks in recent memory. Like, I, I probably will not be watching football on Sunday. There could be 150 things that I'd, I would <laughs> rather do than sit there and watch Red Zone of games like Jacksonville and Houston and, and Tennessee and Pittsburgh and Dallas against Mike Glennon and, you know, Philadelphia against Washington, who is going to field the second string defense this week. Yeah, I, I mean, like. On my list of things that I would rather do, you know, walk into the road with my eyes closed, watch paint dry, smash my head into the wall a couple of times. Just absolutely no shot on watching any of these games, bro. <laughs> yeah, this this is horrible. This but... is this is a set set your lineups and move on and enjoy your day another way kind of kind of week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But listen though. You know, there's still money to be made. Okay? That's that's the beautiful thing about DFS is that we can still make money even on a disgusting slate. One of the contributing factors that makes this week so gross is that it's just completely unknown at this point. Like we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon and just COVID. I mean, we got to talk about that too. Like COVID is absolutely shaking the league right now. Yeah, it's running rampant in the NFL 
and in the NBA too. No, we don't cover and, the NBA, but and in society, we don't really cover society yeah. either. But <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of COVID situations that we're going to have to keep track of. A lot of injuries as well, and this is the first week of the fantasy playoffs too. So a lot of things are going to get shaken up come Saturday night. So as always self promo you got to make sure you tune into the saturday night live stream oh yeah where we'll have you know more updated and and concrete opinions and thoughts on this slate but as it stands right now you know we're going to work with the information that we have and you know all the all of the tweets that have came out in the last couple of hours and and go from there i mean things have even shaken up you know in the last like hour of us getting ready for this podcast you know news is breaking so Definitely a really important week to check out the Saturday night live stream, uh, especially this week because so much of the COVID stuff will get announced on Saturday, which is good at least for, uh, you know, preparation's sake. But at the running back position, I mean, the top is barren, man. Like there are essentially no pay-up options. The most expensive guy on the slate is Najee Harris. He'll probably come with, you know, some moderate ownership i think some people will probably go there and cash just for the guaranteed workload because there's not a ton of that on this slate but i don't know about you i'm I'm not excited to play Najee at 7800 yeah no he's gonna project well just because his touch projection is going to be one of the highest on the slate right you know back-to-back games with 23 plus touches after coming off a stretch where he didn't really touch the ball much and We know he's going to be utilized as a receiver. It is a tough spot going up against this Titans run defense, which is fourth best in the NFL, only giving up 68 rushing yards per game. And the way to attack the Titans is through the air. So I would have more interest in the Steelers pass catchers rather than Najee Harris. But if you're looking to pay up, it's probably Harris. I'll I'll probably just play like two or three cheap to mid-range running backs on this slate and just stay away from this whole tier of Mixon, Zeke, and, and Najee Harris. Really, none of these guys excite me from a DK's perspective. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think for cash games, we're most likely going to be in the mid-range, but we just don't know the status of a lot of these guys at the moment. Like, Elijah Mitchell is not been cleared from the concussion protocol, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, if he does play at home, against the Falcons at 6,200 with a top three implied team total on the slate looks like a smash spot. So, you know, Mitchell would be borderline lock status if he were healthy. We don't know about James Conner in this spot. We don't know about Chase Edmonds in this spot. We don't know about the Dolphins running backs in this spot who are in a really good position going up against the Jets at home. Gaskin is only 5,600, but he's on the COVID list. So we might be looking at Duke Johnson at the min price. Like, this is just you know, it's a mess right now, man. Yeah, it's, it's a complete mess. Uh, and that's kind of where like recording on Wednesdays hurts us. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, the, the opinions and information that we give out, but nonetheless, Eli Mitchell is probably the best play in this range. It it looks like he's going to play. I would say that he's the best play. Yeah. I think he is going to be good to go uh, in the spot after a week off, um, you know, he's played through injuries a little bit throughout this entire season. And, and right now, like everybody's banged up. So I would expect for him to be ready to go. And honestly, this is like a must win game for the 49ers to reach the playoffs. Um, I saw a tweet th- from this dude on Twitter, uh, Nick w- Wagner, shout out to him. The 49ers enter week 15 with a 78% chance of reaching the playoffs. If they win, that would go to 88%. If they lose to the Falcons, it would go 
to 43 percent which is the biggest potential playoff percentage swing out of any team in the nfl this week uh so interesting it's a pretty big game for the 49ers eli mitchell is clear cut their best running back like jeff wilson sucks yeah. Jamichael Hasty is not involved at all. And we know Mitchell, if he plays, is going to be the workhorse. And it's a good spot against a Falcons defense that just bleeds fantasy points to literally anybody on opposing teams. So I think he's the best play. While we were prepping for the pod, JD McKissick and Terry McLaurin weren't at practice today. Yep. So Antonio Gibson is 6K once again. Had a down game last week, but we know the touch projection on him is going to be one of the best in this range, so I would have interest in Gibson once again, and then obviously we're waiting on the on the Henderson COVID news. Sheesh. If if Henderson is out, uh, Sony Michelle at 5,800, I think, would be the best play in this range, in my opinion, at home against the Seahawks. 5,800 has 48 touches over the last two weeks with no Henderson. So I would I would consider him and then But if Henderson's for, in, I don't think we can play either, right? You can't you can't play either, but I, I do think that that backfield moving forward is is at worst a fifty fifty split with Sony and uh Daryl Henderson, even when both are healthy. I, I think Sony has shown enough to McVeigh to make sure, you know, he still has a solid role in that offense. Gaskin I know you mentioned him. He could be in. He's on COVID. He's on the COVID list right now, 5,600. If he's able to go, I think he'd be one of the best plays on the board, especially if Ahmed and Lindsey are still on the COVID list come Sunday. But if they all can't go, Duke Johnson at, at 4K looks good. And your boy Rex Burkhead just got ruled out. And it looks like Royce Freeman will be the RB1 for the Houston Texans against the Jags, and he's 4,500. Eight targets last week. Interesting. I mean, David Culley announced on Wednesday today that uh, David Johnson will be the primary running back, but, I mean, what does that mean? You know, could I guess it could be Royce. Um, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm not playing a single player from that game, period. Yeah. That's 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 probably the optimal strategy, but I, I just had to had to mention Royce. He's he's gonna get steamed a little bit, like in the fantasy community, as like a waiver wire ad. But he's probably not in play on on DraftKings, to be honest. Uh, but do you think people will go to Rashad Penny at fifty four hundred after his you know pseudo breakout game last week? I mean, he could be a little popular. He only had one target against the Texans. You know, they were up pretty big. Pete Carroll did come out and say that. Like Penny is probably the primary back, but they're also going to rotate other backs in to keep everybody fresh. And I think we could project the Seahawks to be losing in this game uh, against I, the I Rams. So. You know, you know, going on the road. Uh, the the spread in that game is is what uh, the Seahawks are. Yeah, four and a half point dogs. So we don't know at this point if Penny like plays really well in the receiving game. I know that he did run the most routes out of any Seahawks running back, and he's probably the best running back on the Seahawks roster. Just don't know how sticky his role is right now, and I think it'd be hard to go there with like Gaskin and Gibson and Sony and Mitchell all like in the same range pretty much. Yeah, um, the Gaskin news is going to be really impactful. I think, I mean... It seems like a situation where he could get ruled in because he was placed on the COVID list all the way back on Friday. So that gives him a couple extra days to come back, whereas like Lindsay was Monday, right? So that could be a really good spot for, for Gaskin this week. So with with the COVID stuff, I, I think it's about like seven to 10 days is the standard to, to get back. 
So mo- most players who get placed on Monday usually miss the following, you know, Sunday game. Right. Um. So I think Lindsey is out no matter what mm-hmm. this week because he was placed on the COVID list this past Monday. Ahmed and Gaskin were placed a couple days before. So they do have a chance. I think it'd still be tough. And same thing for Henderson. Henderson was placed on the COVID list on Saturday. So I think Saturday is when we would know for sure for Henderson and, and Ahmed. And Gaskin could get cleared in the next day or two. But Gaskin's honestly, also vaccinated for whatever that's worth. Yep. Uh, I don't know if the other other guys are or not. Uh, but it, honestly, if, if I had to guess, I think all three are out. I mean, if Sunday. that's the case, then Duke Johnson at the min price is, I mean a disgusting thing to think about playing in, in 2021. But I mean, it'd be a home running back with, you know, some receiving skills at 4k against the jets. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the only running back on the active roster right now for the, for the dolphins. So honestly, like I, I think you just played Duke. Oh my God. Dude. If, if if he's, if he's <laughs> the only guy there, I mean, they'll, they'll probably elevate Dokes, Jared Dokes. And, you know, he had some preseason buzz and I think, honestly, he could be like the early down back. So it would be kind of thin on Duke Johnson. And if, let's say, he is chalk, he'd be an easy tournament fade. Um, mm-hmm. But he will have the pass catching role, I think, at a minimum, plus some base down work. And like you said, they're they're playing the Jets at home. So I, I don't even know. I mean, this is just a conversation for Saturday, to be honest. And then the the Arizona situation would be one to monitor as well. Going up against the Lions, James Conner is day-to-day. Chase Edmonds was like a legit game-time decision. They didn't activate him for the last game, but Chase is 5,100. If, you know, for some reason Conner were to miss and Chase were to play, he would be like a phenomenal play at 5,100. So, I mean, like this whole whole running back pool, we'll just talk about it on Saturday because I I don't have the answers right now. Yeah. Yeah. uh, James Conner is day-to-day with an ankle injury. I think he'll be good to go as it stands right now. They are playing the Lions, so it's like they could opt to just hold out Connor and Edmonds, honestly. Like, you you don't need them against Detroit, and you you let them get healthy. You focus on the playoff push. But I think they did say that Chase Edmonds should be back for this game no matter what. But honestly, it would make total sense to just hold out Connor and Chase Edmonds uh, this week, even though that would kind of hurt, you know, the the only teams that I do have advancing in, in the best ball playoffs. Yeah, I mean. But from a team perspective, it, it would make all of the sense in the world to just sit Connor and let Edmonds get another week healthy is how I would do it. Roll with Eno Benjamin, who played three snaps last week. Yeah, I mean, you got you got Kyler, who's your running back, one. Right, right. That's you know, fair. Just let him run all over the Lions, and we'll be good. Well, speaking about that, in terms of quarterback, Kyler is definitely the pay-up option this week, but it gets interesting because we have so many potentially you know cheap quarterbacks in play this week. Yeah, there's about, I think, three cheap quarterbacks right now depending on injury news you know if injuries break a certain way we will have Minshew once again at 5200 if Jalen Hurts is unable to go and the reports on Hurts are that he did suffer a high ankle sprain he is truly questionable and it's gonna and we're gonna have to wait and see how he progresses throughout the week but even with that high ankle sprain I I think that could affect his rushing ability 
I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable. It, it would be a smash spot for him otherwise. Yeah. I don't know if I would feel comfortable playing him if he starts. If he was fully healthy, it'd be like the best spot on the slate going up against Washington. And so Gardner Minshew could come into play. Josh Allen is questionable. That could open up Mitch Trubisky. Lamar Jackson is questionable. That could open up Tyler Huntley, who is 5,400. And then I think the other pay down quarterback is Tua, who is 5,700 against the Jets. If you had to rank those four quarterbacks, just assuming Allen and Lamar and Hurts are out, how would you rank those four guys? I mean, I'll say this, that I, I think Josh Allen is going to play. Like he, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. I think Allen's fine. But looking at the other guys, I think that Tua is the safest because he's, you know, he's a legit actual starter and he's in such a good spot. And the Dolphins have a great total 26 against the Jets. So, you know, I think Tua is the safest at 5,700, but it definitely gets interesting. I, I think my lean might be Huntley just because he runs so much and the opportunities that he's been given, you know, when he's played substantial snaps, it's happened twice this year. He had seven attempts for 40 yards against Chicago. He had six attempts for 45 yards after coming in relief of Lamar Jackson last week. So I like the rushing upside of, of Huntley there at 5,400, but I don't know. It, it's a better spot for Minshew at home against the Washington defense, which I don't know if we mentioned or not, but like half of their defense is on the COVID list as well. Yeah, so for Washington, their COVID list contains their whole starting defensive line, Matt Idonis, John Allen, Montez Sweat, Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams, Tim Settle. Those are all defensive line players, all on the COVID list. Then you have Kendall Fuller, who's their cornerback one. And then you have two linebackers and another defensive end, all on the COVID list for Washington. So that's why it would be a smash spot for whatever Eagles quarterback starts. Obviously, the only concern is they could come out and run the ball a fuck ton, but we didn't even mention Miles Sanders is also banged up a little bit. Sirianni is hopeful that he can be ready to go, but we'll have to wait and see on that. If I was ranking the three, I think Tua is clear-cut the best. I, like you said, he's just safer. Honestly, I, I think if Gardner Minshew starts, I, I would have Gardner above Tyler Huntley. I just think both are in better spots and both are better quarterbacks. Yeah. But you do get the rushing upside with Huntley. I just think the Packers defense has been playing well, and you, you're going to have to rely on Huntley to get like 60 yards rushing in, in a touchdown for him to to really get you there in this spot. Um, I, I think he'll get locked up just as a pure passer against the Packers. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I definitely think that that Tuo is probably the cash lean just because you don't have the concern there with the Eagles rush rate, and you don't have yeah. the concern with Huntley being legit bad against the Packers so <laughs> yeah two is going to be the highest owned quarterback from this range and I think he he has a chance to be the highest owned quarterback in cash games on, on the entire uh quarterback pool yeah and I mean the reason probably being that we're looking to pay up at wide receiver this week right especially in cash games Cooper Cup at 9k and Devontae Adams at 8900 are smash plays and I mean there's there's a way that you can play both of them, I think, and that might be the wave in cash this week with just so many like you know suboptimal plays at running back and you know quarterback is shaky, so we're probably punting there. We're punting at tight end. It's just you might just want to jam in the points with Cup and Adams this week. Yeah, Cup and Adams are two of the safest plays on the slate, and they are the two highest ceiling plays on the slate. Mm -hmm. So 
from a cash game perspective, I think you you have to jam them in. Honestly, I I don't see two expensive wide receivers. What could go wrong on it? Yeah, like they're they're better than the expensive running backs. The lack of value that we have at, at wide receiver is just comical. Yeah, the the mid range is horrible at wide receiver um and we know that their floor and ceilings are two of the highest in the nfl so i think you just jam in cup you jam in adams even if they both get you 15 on a slate like this i think that'll be that'll be fine if, yeah. if they get you 15 to 20 points you might you might need like 100 to cash this week <laughs> yeah no no cap so i i definitely think you go that route and you plug in cooper cup who only has one game on the entire season with under 90 receiving yards bro he's on pace to have the best wide receiver season of all time from a fantasy perspective yeah he's just the goat and then you uh play Devonte adams who gets like 10 plus targets in every game yep he is also coming off of three consecutive games with 100-plus yards and four touchdowns over the last three. Yeah, against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens that just lost Marlon Humphrey for the year. God, yeah, such a smash spot for both players. I mean, there's some good standout plays in the mid-range like Deontay Johnson against Tennessee, uh, CeeDee Lamb against the Giants, mm-hmm. but... You know, frankly, I think that if you're paying up that high to, you know, 74, 75, I would, I would want to spend the extra money just to get up to Adams or Cup in cash games. Like, I, I think that this range is definitely interesting for tournaments. You know, Jamar Chase, we saw it last week. He can do it in any week. Tyler Lockett has been popping lately at 7K, but I, I think that this is definitely a tournament range, not a cash range. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, if you're looking at Deontay or Lamb, they're both great plays. I would just find the 15, 1400 to get up to Adams and Cup just for the safety that they provide in, in cash. And I, I really just don't think anybody in this range is cash viable, to be honest. Uh, I, I think if we're looking at the mid range, if we go down a little bit, I mean, the Cowboys receivers are interesting. You have Cooper, who's 64. Michael Gallup is 5,500. I think they're okay especially if the Cowboys pass a lot, but it is one of the highest spreads on the slate. So could get a blowout there against Mike Glennon and Dak hasn't been playing well recently. Other than that, I mean, I don't even know who you could play in cash, to be honest, like Ayuk, maybe. No, I mean, let, let's be real. The cash play is Gabriel Davis. Shut like up. it's time. It's 3,700. Emmanuel Sanders is most likely going to be out in this game. And it's, it's just, it's finally time, you know, Emmanuel Sanders exited the game last week. Gabe had a season high eight targets. Like I was right, dude. It just took 15 weeks, but Gabe season is here. <laughs> I mean, just in time for the best ball playoffs. I know, dude. I know. It's just the problem is all my Gabe teams didn't make it. <laughs> that was the thesis behind the play. The thesis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, low key, like he should be. He like if Sanders is out, he probably sets like a season high in snaps. No, for sure. Yeah, he'll play like eighty-five plus percent of snaps oh if God. Sanders is out. That gets me so riled up, dude. But I still think it's pretty thin. What about some of the other guys in that range for for DraftKings? Like Devonte Parker is still really underpriced at forty-three hundred in a good matchup. I think that he stands out. Sterling Shepard. Uh, at 4700 kind of hard to trust with Glennon in there, but the price is good. Yeah, I think those guys are fine, and you're probably going to have to play one of them to 
make the Cup and Adams lineups work. I mean, I think I would probably prefer Parker, especially if you play Tua and Cash. You know, you get the easy correlation. You get the stack there. You know, he doesn't have less than five targets in any game that he's played in this year. So... I would be comfortable playing Devontae Parker at 4,300. I played him in cash when he was 3,900. So I would feel comfortable going back. Gabe Davis, I I think, is kind of thin. But if you want to, you know, I I wouldn't hate on anybody playing Gabe Davis on this receiver slate. I think there's probably like four cash viable receivers right now. And Cup and Adams are two of them. Yeah, man. No, I, I definitely agree. It's an ugly, ugly week at wide receiver. It's like if you if you look to the five, six K range, like there's there's some good players in there for sure. But it's guys that I just wouldn't trust in cash like Judy, Julio, Van. I mean, Van's I, I would trust in, Van in cash, especially if Odell's out, which he, he most likely is. True. Yeah. Van should get a target bump with with no OBJ. So He'd be interesting. I want, you know, as as many parts of this Rams offense as I possibly can as it's probably the best game on the slate. Yeah. And it's probably the best fantasy upside game as well. So I would just try and, you know, jam in as many Rams as I as I can if the news works out in some of those guys favors like Sony Michelle and Van Jefferson but other than that like you can't play Judy and Cash you can't play Julio you can't play Gallup or Gage or Brandon Cooks or Hollywood or Claypool or, or none of these guys so it's very tough yeah it, it definitely is DK Metcalf priced at 6200 interesting for a player of his talent but just has not been getting there lately I don't mind DK I mean eight targets in four out of his last five so he, he's getting targeted, just hasn't been getting touchdowns recently. And, you know, he's really never going to go over 100 yards. We know, that hard he, to go. We, know that we know that he can, though, you know, like DK can do have monster games like it's it's in his range. And yes, for sure. we're not expecting Jalen Ramsey in this game, right? Because he was put on the COVID I, list on Monday. Yes, I think Jalen Ramsey will probably be out for the game and breaking news well not really breaking news not nothing crazy but Eli Mitchell didn't practice today so that's something to keep an eye on okay Um, just tweeted about a couple minutes ago all right we'll definitely uh keep an eye on that and address it on Saturday Joey at tight end I think the standout play this week is probably Ricky Seals Jones at 3400 the Eagles have been the nut defensive matchup for opposing tight ends RSJ obviously in a good spot uh, should be an every down player with Logan Thomas out for the season and Taylor Heineke returned to practice in full on Wednesday so no quarterback concerns there it's looking like an RSJ week yeah 3400 I don't think you have to overthink it in cash you play him and you move on in terms of GPPs for tight ends, I mean, paying up has worked out extremely well over like the last month of the season. Uh, I mean, that's going to happen when George Kittle's dropping, you know, 150 plus every single week now, apparently. I mean, we we know George Kittle's a dog, though. That's the thing. Like, we, we know the, that those type of games are in Kittle's range, range of outcomes fully. Like, yeah, has probably the highest ceiling out of any tight end in the NFL, honestly. He definitely does right now. So he's 7,500. I, I literally just can't do it. I, I physically can't. Yeah. But against Atlanta, it, it's it's a smash bot for Kittle. Just physically cannot 
do it. Mark Andrews, though, who is, I think, I think Mark Andrews is the tight end one on the season. He is. Is 6,400 at home against Green Bay. Obviously, Lamar could be out. I think that would hurt Andrews quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. I think the, I think the range of like Schultz, Gesicki, Knox, looks interesting and, and and Dallas Goddard if Minshew's in there because if, if Minshew plays they'll run like a more traditional passing offense which works out for Dallas Goddard I mean um, the last time that Minshew played Goddard caught six of six for 105 and two put up 31 and a half points to be fair he would have had that if Hertz played as well they oh, yeah. didn't they didn't even cover this man I mean you know? I mean you're not wrong you're not wrong they like they, they, that's kind of the narrative is, you know, Minshew had a good game. They they barely even covered the Eagles receivers. <laughs> Goddard had two free touchdowns. Like, I would have scored on both of those plays. No cap. Would you have? Yes. <laughs> so, I, I think that Goddard is fine at 53, but yeah, th- this range is, is interesting. And I, I think Gasicki looks very uh, good at 5k at home against the Jets and I don't think we've had a a Gasicki blow up game recently so I I think he's kind of due yeah no it's it's been a minute especially considering he had 11 targets in their last game so could definitely uh you know uh connect with some of that opportunity and turn that into production I mean Higby at 4k I like a lot this week um he gets targets he does That's the thing he just never gets there but you'll you'll get like five to seven targets from Higby. I mean, Higby's a good leverage play every single week just because he's never owned and, you know, the other Rams guys typically are. So, Oh, if, shit. If, George, if he... George Kittle mispracticed today. Oh, God. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> just another thing uh, that will become irrelevant <laughs> that we've discussed on this podcast within, like, <laughs> by the time it's done recording. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about tournament strategy, leverage stacks and long shots. A lot of this is obviously, you know, going to be dependent on how things go, as we've said like a hundred times. But in terms of leverage, I think that, you know, the clear cut way to, that we can be confident in getting leverage is just by playing these mid-range wide receivers. Cause I think that they're going to get looked over. Like, you know, Jalen Waddle is probably excellent leverage if people are going to be playing Parker. Uh, and Gaskin this week or or Parker and Duke whichever it is you know Jalen Waddle's priced at 6600 he seems like a straight line leverage play and a guy who can just you know as we've seen rack up double digit targets in a good matchup so I like him as a leverage play and we already talked about how like the the Lamb Chase Lockett group is probably going to go relatively underowned compared to the high price guys yeah I think that a lot of these wide receivers are going to project you know pretty okay and their ownerships might not get too crazy. So I definitely like going in this range of, you know, you said Waddle, T. Higgins, Ayuk. We talked about DK a little bit. I like those guys. And Deontay Johnson, I, I think, is a pretty great play. Who knows? Maybe he comes with a little bit of, of ownership and cash if people don't want to go the Cup and Adams route. Mm-hmm. I think they could just go to Deontay Johnson. You know, you get a very similar target share going to Deontay from one of Cup or Adams. And the, the Titans are a pass funnel. So I definitely love Deontay this week. And, and Lamb 
looks really good as well. But, you know, from from a leverage perspective, you know, the the high-priced wide receivers are going to be chalky and the high-priced running backs, I mean, there really isn't any, but, you know, Zeke and Mixon aren't going to come with any ownership and you could kind of flip the build if you go that route and play one or two of them or you can you know, maybe play Cordero Patterson. This week he's 6900 priced up a little bit. Uh that seems like an easy leverage spot, but man, that, that just looks disgusting. I, I'd rather just pay up to Cupper Adams. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to play Najee if he's chalky. I I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm not playing any Zeke in my DraftKings lineups with real American dollars on the line. That's just not happening. Yeah, Joe I, Mixon, got, I got about... <laughs> <laughs> I got about like uh, five teams crossed off already of who I'm not playing. Maybe six. Like, let's be real. Like, just for a second. If you play a Giants, a Texans, a Jags, a Lions, a Jets, or a Falcons player, like just probably somebody not playing a Carolina. Carolina, <laughs> probably not playing a Denver player. So basically, we're just playing like Cardinals, Rams. 49ers, and Rams. <laughs> Maybe a little I mean, Dallas in there, an eagle or two, and then call it I a mean, day. I mean, for stacks, for stacks, I'm playing Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, Arizona. That's the, the Rams. <laughs> the Rams and the Niners. Not e- I, I won't even stack the Niners. You can't play Jimmy Garoppolo on DraftKings. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, that. you got to play the Rams. It's that simple. Do you think Stafford is going to be highly owned this week just because no. of, like, because if he's not, then he's, like, the standout play in this spot. I mean, Stafford is, like, him and, him and Kyler are clear cut the best tournament plays on the board. Yeah, I wonder if Stafford gets boosted just because of the lack of quality of the other plays. But if not, then he would be a standout. Um, you know that game has. I don't know if I like. It probably doesn't shoot out that often, but it could happen. You know, it always could happen with two high quality quarterbacks, and we really don't have another game on the slate with two high quality quarterbacks in it. Like literally, there's not one game with two high quality quarterbacks except for this, that game. This is the the Millie Maker winner. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, on a slate like this, you, you got to just play the, the good teams. Like, you can't get too cute. Like, you, you can't go around playing the Lions, right? You, you can't play the Jets. You, you, you can't play the Texans or, or Jags, right? Like, you can't physically put money on those teams. It's not possible. So on a slate like this, where we know that the Ram stack is probably the, you know, best stack on the board and Stafford is probably going to come with a little bit lower ownership and pretty much every other player besides like Cup and, and probably Sony will come with lower ownership makes for an easy easy stack and then you got elite bringbacks too with Lockett and Metcalf and Metcalf is 6200 makes all the sense in the world Lockett is 7k I mean Matt Stafford with Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson and you bring it back with one of Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf is winning GPPs this week. Yep. But it's it doesn't get much easier than that, bro. It, it honestly doesn't. Like, I, I could see Stafford and Kyler just, like, being clear-cut separators at the position. And it, but it's like, with Kyler, you don't have, like, a stacking partner. Yeah, unless no you Hopkins. Go, like, I mean, you just got a luck box into, like, two Christian Kirk touchdowns or two AJ Green touchdowns or something like that. Christian Kirk would be my long shot of the week. Yeah. You know, if we're, if we're moving into that. 5,300 yeah, sure. against Detroit. Gonna come with lower ownership, I guarantee it. Stacks well with Kyler, obviously. Deep threat, like you said, definitely could could get two touchdowns out of Christian Kirk. Especially with, I think DeAndre Hopkins is, is probably done. He got a second MRI on his leg, which I don't think is ever great. 
if you got to get another opinion, that means probably the first doctor's opinion wasn't good. You're just looking to get some better news from a different doctor. You know, if it's a bad leg injury, leg injury, he could he could maybe miss the rest of the year. I don't know. Maybe truly, that's just truly unfortunate too, because he was coming off of a 12 target game, which was the highest of the season. Like it looked like he might've been a, you know, the player making a big push down the stretch, but yeah, like you said, I mean, second opinions on, on leg injuries probably doesn't mean that the first guy was like, all right, you're good to go. You could play on Sunday. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's probably like, all right, uh, you, you probably have to get <laughs> surgery and be out for the rest of the year. It's like, all right, let's see if another doctor has something else to say. Like, yeah. Um, But Kirk and and Van Jefferson would be my favorite tournament plays this week. I like that. I I already gave mine in Jalen Waddell, who I think is a great, great play this week, especially um, depending on what happens with Dolphins ownership. I think that, you know, regardless, whichever running back it is, I think is going to be chalky if it's Gaskin or if it's Duke. So I think that Waddle will make for supreme leverage. And because the the cash game build is going to push people onto Devontae Parker, he's going to come with some ownership too. So Waddle, I think, is a supreme leverage play. He's a long shot because of the price. Nobody's going to pay 6600 for Jalen Waddle. And I'll, I'll t- actually take another rookie wide receiver in that range as a long shot I like in, in Devontae Smith, uh, just for all the reasons that we mentioned with, you know, the COVID stuff going on in Washington's defense. Like, Devontae Smith has shown the ability to have big games, so I like him regardless of the quarterback, whether it's Minshew throwing or Hurts in a game plan where he's probably rushing less, throwing a little more. You know, like you said, Washington has no defensive line right now, like literally none. So they're not going to be able to pressure him. Could give Devontae some uh, time to get down the field. So I like him at 6,100. I don't think anybody plays him this week. Yeah, I, I like that uh, for sure. And, you know, that that's that's just about it. I mean, play the Rams receivers. Seahawks receivers look good, especially with no Ramsey. And like you said, two quality quarterbacks. Uh, we're, we're not going to get that in any other game on this slate. So I like that. And then, you know, Deontay, Cowboys wide receivers, and, and Waddle, I, I think is where I would where I would stop my player pool, even for GPPs. It's, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, with Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, both super popular, I think that, you know, Debo Samuel might get overlooked this week at 8,200. And, uh, you know, it's it's impossible to ever play him in cash just because, like, like we talked about on the review cast, like, this dude has three receptions over the last three weeks. He's being used as a running back, and he's 8,200. But, I mean, he can legitimately, like, score three touchdowns in any time he touches the field, and he's going up, up yeah. against the Falcons. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, I do like... um. I do like Debo and Ayuk too. I think there's, I think it's a good price for Ayuk and like he, he's like the the traditional wide receiver one in that offense right now. Mm-hmm. So against the Falcons at home, I Ayuk looks very good to me right now. And uh, Debo, you you got to play him. And I mean, we didn't even talk about Diggs. Um, he's, I mean, just he's, a, he's just expensive, you know. And, and Allen's probably not a hundred percent, but yeah, I mean, Diggs yeah. is always a good play. Like. He's a good bet to get 10-plus targets yeah. in any spot. Yeah, I, I don't know. I probably won't play much Buffalo. No, I don't think I will either. Um, it's just hard to like see that game getting out of hand if Allen's not 100%, and we know that like yeah. the Car- Carolina Panthers are like a disaster right now. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could play Chuba if you want to keep riding the running back against Bills narrative, but that's just like absolutely disgusting. So uh, Yeah, you can't play Chuba. He sucks. He does suck. All right, let's close things out here with best bets, man. I hope people stick through the podcast and listen all the way to best bets because, I mean, we are riding incredibly hot right now. If you've been betting 
along with us all year. You've been crushing it. I mean, last week we went four for four. We're seven of eight over the last two weeks, and and we're going to keep it going right now. Yeah, been doing pretty well in terms of the bets. Uh, Probably better with the betting than DFS, and we can't even legally bet. Clear cut. But uh, mo- you got mobile. that email, right? You got that email? Yeah, so I posted it in our uh, Discord chat too. There will be nine online sports books opening up in New York next month. Oh my God, I can't nine. wait, dude. So that means I will be making nine different accounts because all of these <laughs> places are, are going to offer like promos and, and whatnot for you know New York users to, yep. to get you on their site. So I'm making all nine accounts. For sure. It's going to be lit and it's definitely going to be like an added part moving forward in this podcast, especially for next year. Oh, yeah. Now that we can actually bet mobily on these games, I should say, like we could drive to the casino and bet if we wanted to, but it's like so out of the way. Um, yeah, that's chalked for that. But I mean, we're going to be like player propping it up like yeah. crazy Prop next everything. year. I can't wait, dude. I can't yeah, wait. Everything. So for this week, I like the over in the Steelers Titans game set at 41 and a half right now and I think that the way you attack the, the Titans is through the air and Big Ben has been playing pretty well and you know just in, in terms of a fantasy I mean we didn't even talk about him but you know he he's had a couple of good fantasy performances over the last couple of weeks 28 points against the Vikings 20 against Baltimore 22 against the Chargers uh, so if you can get you know, that type of performance out of Big Ben and the Titans, I think, can move the ball on this Steelers defense. I think we could see some points scored in this spot and it's a low total. So give me the over in that game. For my second bet, I will take the over in the Rams game, 45 and a half, mm-hmm. you know, just bringing it up again. You mentioned it. It's the only game on the slate with two quality quarterbacks starting. The Rams are going to be without Jalen Ramsey, most likely. Uh, so it's a good spot for the Seahawks wide receivers. It's in L.A., in a dome, good game environment, and it's probably the best game on, on the entire slate. So give me the over in that game as well. Yeah, uh, that's definitely one that I had written down as well. So I'm, I'm going to uh, trail you on that. Definitely. I mean, it's just clear cut. Like you already said it only good two quarterbacks uh, going up against each other. It is the second time a division team is playing. I don't typically like to bet those overs, but you know, it's at 45 and a half. It's already dropped two and a half points. So I think there's some decent value on that. Obviously people have been betting the under, but maybe they're going a little bit too far. One of the bets that I liked last week was uh, an over on a game that had gotten bet down. So I kind of like uh, going after these over corrections. I will take the over on that as well. And then The other one that I'm interested in, I mean, it's like disgusting to think about putting money on the Houston Texans, but you're getting three and a half points against the Jags. And I'm sorry, dude, but the Jags should not be favored over anybody in the NFL. I guess the Texans shouldn't either. Like, but yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think the Jags should be favored right now. Like they are, they could fire Urban Meyer literally any day, you know, like their team is in a disaster spot right now. Trevor's been bad. So I'll I'll take Houston at three and a half. Like I, I think that they're legitimately like the better team in this spot. Yeah, I I would agree, to be honest. So I, I like that. All right. That is going to be it for episode 188 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. 
For more Week 15 NFL content, you can check out our YouTube channel, The DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week. And we will be back this Saturday evening for an important edition of the Late Night live stream to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts on things as the information flows in. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.